As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to My Favourite Work of Art with me, Dr. Laura Jane Foley. Each week, I'm joined in the studio by a guest who tells me all about an artwork that means something to them. Today, my guest is musician, composer and conductor Stephen Barlow. Stephen began his musical life as a chorister at Canterbury Cathedral before studying at Trinity College Cambridge, where he was an organ scholar. He then studied conducting at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Stephen is best known as a conductor of opera. He's worked at the Royal Opera House, Glyndebourne, English National Opera, Scottish Opera and Opera North. Most recently, he has been the artistic director of the Buxton International Festival, a role he held from 2011 to 2018. He is also a successful composer and his works include King, the story of Thomas a Becket and Henry II, which had its world premiere in Canterbury Cathedral in 2006. I'm delighted he's joining me today. Welcome, Stephen. It's a great pleasure. So tell me, what is your favourite work of art? Now, I, I told you this when I wrote to you. Your favourite of anything is incredibly difficult for me to get involved I'm with. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so what are we going to talk about today then? Well... You see, I came to an interest in art very, very late. I sort of excused myself, really, because musicians fundamentally don't use their eyes. It's not, it's not visual in any way at all. It's all to do with the ear. And it's a, the sight and hearing are so separate and so important and I, I I really I know that I excluded any real interest in art because I knew it was serious and I knew that I would have to begin to ask questions which of course with art always starts off do I like it or don't mm. I like it and I'm afraid I was um, no more mature than that um, until uh, well it's my wife's interest in art that she really is so sensitive to art and it was rather wonderful to tread in her footsteps and see why she was interested, what she was interested in. And as usual, it's the explanations that come. Why does someone like that? It begins a discussion. Mm. And, um, and I gradually woke up. I wouldn't say that I'm an expert, but I now find that I am interested before I make a judgment about whether I like it. And that 
is one of the major steps mm. in in achieving any kind of maturity. Definitely, definitely. And I also think something you really dislike is almost as powerful and important as something you really do like because you have so much to say about it. Absolutely right. It's the stuff in between that's not too good. <laughs> yes. No, no, that's right. So the, what are we talking about today? We're talking about... Um, F.L. Griggs's etching, The Armoury. And it's been with me for a very long time. I find it incredibly moving. It, I, and I find all of his work incredibly moving, but I found it first very dark. I found it very foreboding because he uses darkness so much. Mm. The cathedrals are so important. The churches are so important. So for the benefit of our listeners, can you describe the etching? Yes, it, it, it is of a particular church, but we don't really need to know that. It, it resembles um, a cathedral. And... In the, f- the, the the hugeness of the cathedral is behind cathedral in inverted commas is behind the armory itself, where the body of the church it gives away arms to the poor, those in need, and it's a snowy scene. And he likes he likes inclement weather. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I have to confess it, I do as well. <laughs> um, so it's a snowy scene and there are two carol singers and um, three musicians. So we could assume, even if we didn't know, that this is Christmas. Yeah. And at the very front, just moving away and beginning to go down the steps is a family carrying the, the arms that they've obviously received. If you look carefully, you can see that the woman is holding a child, a very small baby. And there's something about the construction of it all that um, that really carries uh, quite a strong narrative um, in that the cathedral seems hewn out of a mountain mm. or into the mountain. So it's founded so strongly as part of rock. Um and there are steps down from it, as if the cathedral is built as something that you look up to. Mm. And, of course, cathedrals have always aspired to height. Um, now, the point is, you see, I was a chorister at Canterbury, and, and cathedrals mean a great deal to me. It's everything about them. It's mm. not only the space, but it's what goes on there. It's how the people are that inhabit it and work there why it was built, um, and all the background to the whole structure of such an enormous building. They always draw you in, and then the atmosphere is never quite what you'd expect. That's the great beauty about it. But I, um, having been a chorister, and I sang, I was a chorister in Chelmsford Cathedral when I was seven, and then Canterbury when I was nine, I feel that I belong in cathedrals. They feel very homely to me. Mm. I understand them. Do you have a religious background? Are you religious? These days, it's very, very difficult, isn't it, to to use that word, I am religious. I do I do believe in what Jesus taught, So, and I'm C of E. I would say I'm C of E. I like going to services. I'm very interested in... Um, in philosophy and um, 
and discussion of the concepts. Um, so, yes, I suppose I am. Um, it's not something that I'm overt about, but I hope that it's an all-embracing... Um, I hope that my beliefs actually embrace everything about life. Have you composed music inspired by your spirituality or your feelings on religion? Well, spirituality. I mean, everybody's got <laughs> spirituality. I think, I think I tried to blend in the opera, King, um, the human story of Henry and Thomas Beckett. Um, but one, I, I, one had to deal with um, Beckett's own uh, calling, as it were, mm. his recognition that he um, was changed when he became Archbishop. Mm. So to a certain extent, I, I think probably, yes. Um, that it's very interesting that so many composers, you see, so many composers, in, starting from Bach, um, actually inscribed their compositions to the glorification of God. Mm. So you've chosen this... Uh, artwork really because of the uh, the fact that it's a cathedral, probably subconsciously. I mean, you you like it; it's you, you own the, the the etching. But the cathedral that's been a huge part of your life since you were a young boy, and the musicians. I hadn't noticed they were musicians. I ter terribly, uh, <laughs> I hadn't noticed. But of course, that's what they are. And of course, that then dates it as as you say, Christmas. Mm. Um, it's quite gothic, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, a, yes. a gothic medieval scene, isn't it? It's not. That's it's not right. 1925, which is when Griggs created. Yes, the but there's a quality in all of his work, I think, that that asks us to go deeper into um, the uh, beyond the image. Um, and I I find it very difficult when people talk about well, what does this work of art mean? The meaning of a work of art is is impossible to define, but it's rather like the greatest of operas, um, where where the area behind what you hear, i.e., in an opera, what the music does behind the word to elucidate the word, to broaden the word, to suggest other possible ironic meanings. And I mean ironic by you, um, something having two or three possibilities. Mm. Um, I find this in all of Griggs's work. So first of all, I found it dark and slightly foreboding and forbidding. Um, and gradually, I began to see the warmth and the hope. And um, not necessarily, it, it's not, it, I don't think it's a, um, an overtly religious work, but I do think it's a spiritual work. Mm. And I think it's looking very deep into us. So I don't, I don't think this is um, Church of England art. And the Gothic architecture, of course, was all about um, uh, height and detail and um, creating a sense of awe. Um, it was about pointing to the sky with as, uh, with as much inner detail as you could find. You can never stop seeing new things in any Gothic building. Mm. Wherever you look, you think you've seen it, and then you come back and look again, and someone will actually simply point out a tiny corner where there is beauty, there's humanity, there's a story. Um, 
And the same can be said of, of art as well. I mean, when I approached you about appearing on uh, my favourite work of art, did you look again at the almondry and did you see anything in it that you hadn't noticed before or that you had forgotten? I mean, yes, yes. Get new joy from it. Absolutely. Well, what I did, of course, when when I when something suddenly, when a light suddenly went on with me, because I was looking after we'd, after you'd asked me to do this. I began to try and work out what favorite or resonance or liking or really could mean. And when I when the light went on that Griggs really does do something special for me, that included wanting to know more. So I I found interesting there was our lovely volume on Griggs um underneath another book and I spent um at least a couple of hours, actually, just reading about all the different paintings and and looking up online and seeing what others said. It was gorgeous. Mm. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Mm. Are there any other of his works that you like particularly? Well, you, this is the one that really, I think, says most for me. Right. What I found I focused most on this time was the... Um, was the departure of the family and suddenly noticing that little flash of white um, in the front of the mother mm. that is, in fact, a, um, a very young newborn baby. Mm. Yes. Um, in such tiny detail that, of course, and in such a place on the, on, on the etching that you wouldn't necessarily focus on it if you were just um, flicking pages mm. or walking through a gallery. And I've now learnt to look all around a painting because only then do you understand why the artist has centred on a particular thing. And uh, here, it is in fact the joie de vivre of the, uh, the carol singers. Mm. Yeah. yeah, very jaunty, aren't they? <laughs> yes, and, and the family leave with their arms that they need with the sound of carols and um, uh, with the the warmth and um, the warmth and care uh, behind them in in the buildings do you remember the first time you came across the etching no hmm. no it's a very long time ago and I, I really rather like this things Things uh, grab me. When I'm in a gallery, I will find that I can get lost. Um, time suddenly disappears in two or three hours. I can get really lost in that wonderful thing of um, taking two steps and there's something else extraordinary in front of you. Mm. It's rather like wandering through a sonic world where every two minutes um, somebody says, no, listen to this, yes. and it's Sibelius 5. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, that's what an art gallery to me is like. Mm. Have you ever written uh, any, composed any music inspired by art? Well, yes, we wrote a song together. <laughs> <laughs> well, apart from the one that we wrote together. So, uh, yes, I should say that uh, Stephen and I first met uh, because we, uh, we we wrote a song together for inspired by... Uh, Rimsky-Korsakov's, um, was it The Snow Maiden? Yeah. Yes, that was fa a fascinating exercise. A wonderful project, actually. And, of course... Um, Many composers, another composer who taught me actually wrote um, uh, pieces based on Graham Sutherland. Oh. 
when I think they were new in Coventry Cathedral. Hmm. Um, and I think there's a very strong connection between the visual and music. Um, but I don't believe using art at the same time as seeing art at the same time as listening to music is in any way constructive. I think they can mm. jar against each other. Mm. I just wonder, though, it, it, because they're so different, you know, the still image and the and the, the moving music. I just wondered if you preferred a story to work from rather than you know, that stilled moment, that that image. You know, was it? Yeah, they're so different, aren't they? They're just vastly. Well, I think I think I never really. When I was blind to art. I always perceived them as static, completely still, um, with no movement, rather like architecture. Well, it's the, you know, the same response. What am I looking at? What should I be looking at? Because there's no movement to attract you. Mm. And the point is, I think, that the eye with art is much more concerned, it should be much more concerned with engaging your your intellect and your emotional response. Um, the same is true of music and the ear. Um, and we are going through a, a slightly troubling time now, I think, where, where music and possibly art too um, is being presented to us as a consumer product. Um, what does it make you feel, happy or sad? You know, and that, like classic FM, mm. um, smooth classics late at night. Um, and Radio 3 is now doing soft music or slow music in the morning. I, this is madness mm. because it's forgetting that the eye and the ear are just vehicles through which the artist, musician or painter or architect or, or dancer is, is actually talking to you. And I think that talking is where the movement is. That's really interesting. So, in a sense, it's that idea of being a creative person that and, and that the outlet yes. is. So, you're creative. Are you an artist? Can you draw? Can you paint? Not at all. Not one bit. No, I can't. Uh, and it, it is a total mystery to me. But you've. I mean, what, what at school were you? You weren't interested in art, or no? We we had art lessons. I'm 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 horrified <laughs> to say that I I can try and copy. But the, but that's uh, that's useless. But all the great masters learn from copying. Ah, and there must have been a a, a level of copying no, you when you learned to be a composer. I mean, when you we stu you were studied at the yeah, Guildhall, must have been a copied Haydn out. And, and uh, yes, it's absolutely true. Yeah, <laughs> you caught me there. Um, no, but I'm I'm pretty convinced. I don't. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't have. Um, but I don't have that ability to put um, a pencil on a piece of paper and try and do something figurative. Mm. Or, or an etching needle onto some metal. No. <laughs> last no, words, this is... The, last the, words on uh, the almond ring. You, you see, Griggs, the, the work is so fine. It's so... <laughs> It's it's constructed uh, um, in a far more complicated way than it seems to me um, the internet in the West End of London must be. It, um, to construct this, see it, and then simply 
etch very fine lines and to produce something so so comforting um, and interesting and um, uh, suggestive, I, I think is, is craftsmanship and artistry that I can only sort of dream of, really. Thanks so much for coming in, Stephen. Today we were talking about The Almonry by F.L. Griggs. Etcher Frederick Lancier Griggs was born in 1876 and died aged 61 in 1938. He was one of the first etchers to be elected to full membership of the Royal Academy of Art. The Almonry is an etching produced in 1925. If you would like to see the work of art we were discussing this week or carry on the conversation further, you can find me on Twitter at Laura Jane Foley. And if you want to discuss the show, please use the hashtag MyFavouriteWorkOfArt. The show was recorded at Wise Butter in London. The title music is Blue from Colours by Dimitri Scarlatto. I hope you'll be able to join me next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.